Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. It is a bright and early and a chilly morning here in Somerville, South Carolina, almost at Surfside Beach. I'm thinking already of my time coming up this weekend in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where I'll be heading up to the North-South game on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, to catch up with a lot of, uh, I'd say, uh, big-time guys doing big-time things here, a lot of all-star kids uh, getting an opportunity to, to play with those who they've played against for a long time and play with. Uh, a lot of other guys they've either read about, they've seen, they've heard, and uh, social media, of course, allows all that to happen here on not only Southern Sports Central, but just across the board uh, everywhere. I'm Richie Alban alongside uh, Mr. Will Porter, who is uh, going to produce the show today. Join me here in some conversation. Uh, we'll also have uh, Hunter Fontaine, the junior defensive tackle uh, from Wren, South Carolina. Uh, there was a huge, I would say, trend that kind of got going after their game, this was the young man that was down on one knee with the kid from Myrtle Beach. He was uh, consoling him, uh, showing uh, exactly what sportsmanship is all about. Having that conversation with him, telling him, hey, look, man, everything's good, dude. I get it. You, you, you know, you're, you're a good ball player. You did everything you could. Uh, you're going to be back here next year. You know, this kid was really, I thought it was a pretty exciting um I, I would say a piece on social media because there's so many other things that you see on this avenue uh, of the World Wide Web that you don't see a lot of sportsmanship. And to me, I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, but he reached out to us, said, hey, I'd love to come on the show, be a part of what you guys are doing. I said, well, man, look, hey, perfect timing, because I'd love to have you in here with us as well. So it worked out. We're going to get him in here first thing this morning at 714. He'll join us. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about that situation or that uh, uh, that time where he will always remember that conversation with that young man from Myrtle Beach. And he's a junior, so he's coming back. We'll talk to him a little bit about that as well. And then at 7.30, another coach has reached out to us that he'd love to come in here. And that's where we're going to say at Wren High School today. And Wren's uh, defensive coordinator, linebacker coach, Coach Quinnism, is going to join us. And he'll talk to us about uh, the days over at Wren as a defensive coordinator. Of course, we had on his uh, lineman coach uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, you know, we've had him on a couple times, actually. But uh, nevertheless, we'll get the defensive coordinator joining us here uh, at 7.30. Then top of the hour and uh, about 8 o'clock, Bryce Kuhn from 24-7 Sports out of Eldasta, Georgia, will join us. We'll talk college football with him at that time as we'll change gears from high school to college in hour two. And uh, around about that time and at 8.30, we might see Ben Moore check in with us from uh, the ATL. I'm not sure yet. Hadn't gotten confirmation. But if we do, we'll talk to him if we don't. We'll keep it moving because there's always a lot to talk about here on the show. So, uh, been kind of an interesting last few days here as I've seen a lot of college coaches coming around 
uh, the high school campuses, getting to know these athletes a little bit more one-on-one, and even some of those getting offers. And I will say this, the guys that are getting these offers didn't see it coming. And it's probably the greatest thing right before Christmas, knowing that they've worked hard. Maybe they didn't get as far as they wanted to get in their uh, time in their senior year at high school. But I tell you, I watched one kid in, in one-on-one, watch this kid get this op- opportunity. And uh, it was amazing to see the expression on his face when I talked to him yesterday about it. And uh, what, a, what an honor. What an honor because you don't see it coming, man. It, it, it's one of the greatest surprises in the world to get an offer. But when you – you just don't see it coming. You're kind of going through the days. You know, you haven't played football in a couple of weeks, maybe three or four weeks. You know, it's it's kind of that downtime, getting ready to get into exams, get in and out of school and all that. And then all of a sudden, here comes an offer to be able to play college football. I don't care where you get an offer to play college football, man. An offer is an offer. It's a great thing. And I remember my first time uh, of getting an offer. It was, uh, man, it, it was what a feeling. What a feeling. It didn't matter how big or small the school was. It was just like, man, hey. Look at this. I'm getting an opportunity to play the thing I love the most at this time in my life, at least. So uh, congratulations to all those young guys who are getting these opportunities to further their opportunity in, in the game of football or baseball or, or, or basketball, or whatever it is, and to the ladies, you as well. And I know there's a lot of things happening this time of year. Uh, on the 18th, by the way, it will be, I believe it's the 18th. Uh, next week is uh, early signing day for football. So that'd be a lot of fun as well. We're not sure where we're going to camp out. We, uh, we thought about maybe Somerville, but maybe go to the fort. Maybe head, in, head out over there somewhere a little different and uh, see what those guys are doing. But nevertheless, we're going to do that uh, at some point and decide that. We'll let it out there on social media. Uh, let's go ahead and bring him in. Will Porter here, of course, uh, working with me this morning, as he does every morning. He's joined the show and done a great job uh, producing the show. But, uh, Will, of course, uh, you know, high school kind of slowing down a little bit. We'll pick up the gears in, in college where uh, the playoffs are, are now set. A lot of Clemson Tiger fans are, are excited. They know that they've had a pretty good trend against the Ohio State Buckeyes. But I'll say this, this is not the Buckeye team that they've ever seen before. And Justin Fields and crew uh, love the fact they're being the underdog. You know, I've talked to a couple of Buckeye fans and they're like, man, these Clemson guys are, they're, you know, and it's not the players, it's the fans that I struggle with the most in most of these teams, even in the Gamecock fan base, sometimes are a little bit uh, delirious at times, but it, it's fun to get involved into the conversation because especially the young people, they don't know it. They, they, they just see what they see on social media. They'll see that, that Ohio state's been blasted by the Gamecocks and, and the sec overall has owned mostly the, uh, the Buckeyes, but of course Clemson has done a great job dominating them as well. Will. Yeah, uh, we've we spoke about it before. These are the two most complete teams. I think that it's a compliment, really, that uh, Clemson is ranked third because you clearly have uh, two front runner, uh, well, I should say three front runner Heisman uh, candidates in in Joe Burrow, who's at LSU, and they're ranked one, and then Justin Fields and Chase Young, they're ranked um, they're ranked second with that Ohio State team. Um, but you know, Ohio State this year really, um, as opposed to uh, recent memory years prior they've been the more complete team about just just uh you know opening up the field and scoring on you on offense and then shutting you down on defense and that's the way that it has been this year and i think it's fantastic um now if there are any if there are any um if there are any fans out there uh clemson fans in particular that are upset at clemson being ranked third uh, please don't be, 
because you're you're still in you're still in the playoffs, you're still in the championship, and I think that how the playoff committee did their selections and and who's playing who this this is the I think this is the ultimate litmus test for both teams for that matter. Um, you know, Ohio State they've been able to just roll over their uh, teams uh, the teams that they've played against, and Clemson of course has done the same thing as of late. Uh, ever since that North Carolina game and the bye, they've they've had a point to prove, and they I think that they've gotten their point across. But um, you know, it, it's it's a challenge. It, it, I think it was a challenge for these uh, this playoff committee to select. Okay, who do we put Clemson at? Because like the one the one and two and three the three spot is easy. That's Clemson. But then who's the team who should play Clemson? Should be Ohio State. Yeah, you know, I, I'm still not – yeah, I, I've had this conversation even yesterday. I went to the gym, worked out a little bit yesterday, and, and you get these kids that, that come at you a little bit there, and, and they're telling you, you know, how bad Ohio State is, and uh, they just don't play anybody. And, and it's it's interesting to me when I get a clip person that makes that statement. And I get it more than I don't. It's amazing to me. And it's usually the young guys. It, it is. It's usually the young guys that say, man, you know, such and such hadn't played anybody. I'm thinking, well, who have you guys played? Who have you guys played? Who, who have you played that that's just can realistically get into this argument of saying, well, we've played X, Y, Z. Well, you haven't played anybody yet. And everybody's like, well, Clemson hadn't played their best football. Well, that's a good thing. Because if they played their best football, they're in trouble. They, 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 they're gonna, I think going to see in this first bowl game that they're going to get a chance to see how good they really are. It, it's going to bring everything they can. However... Ohio State shows signs of weaknesses. They kind of give up a little bit and then come back and do things. You know, you saw what they did against Wisconsin. You see what they do against other teams. And for me, that's that's not what you can afford to do against good teams like Clemson. Clemson, you can't give them a little bit of a lead and then catch up to them. You know, they they don't need any help putting points on the board. But I do feel like defensively, this team that, that the, the Buckeyes are going to put out there is going to be one of the best teams that they've seen up to this point. Now, for me... And I went through yesterday, and even last night I was sitting at the house, and I'm thinking to myself, well, out of these four teams, who has seen the toughest schedule out of it all? And I, and I would definitely at this point say LSU's probably had the toughest schedule up to this point. I don't think Oklahoma has, only because of the fact that Oklahoma, yeah, they play in the Big 12. It, it's more of an offensive-heavy conference. They're not very consistent and very similar in, in fashion to what you see in, in Clemson that, again, not very consistent scheduling. The games are not that good. Uh, you know, there's when you blow out teams by 40 or 50 points, does it mean you're that good or does it mean you're that bad? I mean, there's there's so many different entities to me that I look at, that I say, okay, well, if I dive into this thing and I dissect it, and, again, I want to give Clemson all the credit in the world, but the only time you'll get credit from me at this juncture, I'm going to give you credit that you're good because you're undefeated. You haven't lost in forever. I mean, realistically, I get that part. But when you beat a team and then you're like, well, this team is good, and then they go down to Miami and they get hung by Miami, the Hurricanes, who are not good at all, or you get this team and then they go and beat, get beat by that team and they're not that good at all, or you then tell me Louisville is really good, but then Kentucky blows them out of the water. I mean, there's all those things to me that I just can't yet give you. You know, and I said this to Clemson fans a few years ago when you played Notre Dame, right before that Notre Dame game, I said, look, I went through the schedule. Clemson Tom and I were doing the show back then. I went through the schedule, and I circled that game on the schedule, and I said, look, if by chance they come through 
and they beat Notre Dame, then I'm on board. I'm going to do it again here. If, by chance, you guys end up beating Ohio State, then okay, cool. I got you. I think you're legit. I just don't think you've seen any competition yet. So it either means, A, I don't know how good you are. B, we'll see if you lose, and I'll say, okay, well, there you go. Or C, college football just has a – there's a huge stretch from really good to average – average teams in the country and it's a countrywide epidemic if that happens on that saturday night when these two teams square up well i don't think that um all your points are valid but i think acc conference just the conference as a whole you have clemson and then the rest of the acc and the rest of the acc we know they weren't good this year they they have not been good at all they they've they've torn each other up they've beat each other up and Clemson has just been on a caliber all on its own, standing alone, like right, o- right over here. And, you know, take, you know, take that into account. Um, yes, they're undefeated. And yes, you can fair to say that they haven't played anybody. But I, I can't help but to, you know, go back to the stats and also to, and also to the film as well. Because um, Travis Etienne, the running back for Clemson, he has been stellar, and this is his senior season, if I do, if I do believe correctly, that he has, he has broken records that James Conner from uh, Pitt uh, set a couple of years ago. And the numbers that he's continued to put up, and then Trevor Lawrence, the, the numbers that he has been able to put up, and again, against mediocre teams, against, against ACC teams or against other um, FCS uh, or Division II teams. Or, or just lower tier Division One teams, but you know their defense. Though I, I like, and I go back on their defense. Um, their offense, their offense, I can say without a doubt, is is in constant need for improvement. But you go back to the defense, and the defense is still you know number one in the stop rate, and and again that's a number statistic, and they haven't really played much of anybody, but. You take all those key pieces out, you know, the front four, the Power Rangers that they had last year, they all went to the draft. And they take those players, they take those pieces, and then they reinsert them, and it's like that they haven't skipped a beat. And Brent Venables has done a spectacular job in being able to just find those key parts that, that fit in that machine that is the Clemson defense. No wonder that he has been offered head coaching jobs the past couple of years because of his uh, stellar coaching and his ability to coach defenses. But I, I do think that his a bit like his ability to just coach defense takes a lot of pressure off of him and it, and it allows him the ability, it grants him the ability to just focus key on key in on defense. Yeah. I mean, it definitely makes him one-sided and, and, and all that. Again, I, I think Brent Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country right now, and his numbers are there and all this, that, and the other. But again, you know, uh, I, I don't want to sit here. It's not, a, it's not about I don't want Clemson to be good. I just want people to be uh, realistic. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, I was about to say, think yeah, realistic yeah, you about be, them. They're, they're not – they haven't seen anybody. I mean, I get their defensive. But what offensive teams have you seen that were great that you've been on your schedule? Nobody. There's no offensive team that you've seen that's like, wow, that's a really good offensive team. That's not, you know, and you're and you're you're beating a guy from Pitt to, to give me a stat that that you're better than. I mean, you know, it's Pitt, dude. I sorry, I don't. 
We'll, we'll find out. Again, I, sell me on Saturday night. When you guys play Ohio State, sell me on Saturday night. It don't, I don't look, when it comes to the ACC, I refuse to look at your stats. I just don't. It's no different than Keegan Williams in, in high school football. I'm not looking at Keegan's stats. I'm sorry. Keegan and the boys are beating everybody that everybody's been beating for the last 40 years in this, in this town. But the way Keegan Williams is beating people, the way that he's running things, I'm, and that's why I'm telling you that Etienne is a really good running back because I've seen his film, but I've, and, and I see his style of work. That's the key to me. I don't care about your stats. When it comes to playing certain conferences, that stats are stats. And, again, I'm, I'm one of the biggest, and you know this. I don't, I don't look at a lot of stats. I, I just don't. I, don't. I think stats lie. I think they don't tell the complete truth. I think it's kind of a blind eye. There's a couple of different slogans I can give you here, but I do say if I look at your film, I watch the way you work, I watch the way you run, then we go with it. We do need to take a break because I believe coming up, we're going to go all the way back up to Wren High School. We'll check out with a uh, an offensive tackle hanging out with us here next. Uh, Hunter Fontaine is going to join us here, and uh, we'll talk to him about the big win. He's a junior, so he'll get another year to make another run uh, here and make some more history here as a football factory that we found out is alive and well up there in the upstate and uh, I want to say Piedmont, South Carolina, of course. Uh, check in with him coming up out of break here. Uh, if you want to join us, you can do that throughout the show. 323-784-9681. This is a live show, which means you can call in live and we can debate anything you want to talk about. Excuse me. Or we can kind of get into uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about. This is Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Elman. That's Will Border coming back. We're going all the way to Wren High School right here on Southern Sports Central. Hello, good morning, how you doing? Waking up, shaking, yesterday's blues, yeah. Turn the TV off, the bad news, man. Feeling fresh like a zip-lock blue, man. OJ with a champagne tuna. I'm up and home, you go running through ya. Hell yeah, it's a new hallelujah. Walking like the top off a bottle of night shopping, yeah.
Hey, good morning again, Richie. I'm here live in the studios in the Guernsey Pharmacy Studios in Somerville, South Carolina. This is Southern Sports Central alongside Will Porter here this morning as we uh, kind of get you up and running here. We're going to start up in Wren, South Carolina, back over there. Well, Wren High School up in Central uh, South Carolina. Well, we'll check out now with Mr. Hunter Fontaine. Uh, top of the morning, buddy. How's life up there? You guys still celebrating that championship? Oh, yes, sir. We uh, just continue to just amaze the community, I guess, uh, had a good season. So it's just a long time coming. Everybody's still excited. It gets brought up every day in class by multiple people. But, yes, sir, we are. Now, of course, uh, this team went in and, and, and did it in fashion, went and beat Myrtle Beach High School. Myrtle Beach, uh, by the way, was the defending state champions uh, the year before. But that didn't slow these guys down. And, of course, uh, you were the big man up front, by the way. For a guy that not only uh, had a great night, and Mr. Owens over there, your quarterback, but also set a record. Man, I tell you what, we don't get a chance to get the offensive line guys in here. So to have one of you guys in here, it, it means a lot to us because you guys are the big nasties, if you will. The guys that are in the trenches taking care of all the business when nobody else is looking. You guys are blocking a guy to the left, hanging a guy to the right, making sure that your quarterback has enough room to either sit in the pocket, run around, or you're running back get out and about as well. Uh, what's it been like for you, being an offensive lineman? You guys, again, don't get an opportunity to get in here and get on the radio or get in the high headlines as much. But uh, when you have a quarterback that breaks a state record, I know, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Owens has been in here three or four times. He talks about you guys on a regular basis, man. But uh, that's got to be kind of a little bit of a team award there, at least definitely the offensive line and the quarterback award, because without you guys blocking, man, he's not able to throw those touchdown passes. Yes, sir. He uh, he gives credit where credit is due, and he takes us multiple times to practice, lets us know when we need to pick it up, and lets us know whenever we're doing the right thing and to continue to, continue to do it. Um, uh, compared to fairly majority of any other high school team, we have a really light offensive line. We're not we're not your six three, three hundred pound, you know, uh, big guys that most people portray us to be. We're just we're just people that love to go play ball, and I think that's what can, makes us compete more into a higher level, and uh, to hang in there with those better teams, and just just the will to win and wanting to win. I think that's just what makes us that good up front. Live right now, one of the offensive tackles hanging out with us all the way from, of course, uh, Wren High School in Pendleton, South Carolina. These guys win uh, their first ever state championship uh we've uh, been very fortunate we've interviewed the coach's wife we've interviewed multiple coaches actually going to get uh, the defensive coordinator in here after you about seven thirty. but uh you know the, the the game went pretty good i'd say you guys uh were able to block up front get this guy 21 points out of the gate for your offensive line and your offensive team there in the first quarter through seven in the end zone there in the second quarter so you go up with 28 points from the offensive side, your defense is really good, too, by the way, able to really kind of stop them. And when they were going to score and threat a couple of times, the interceptions in the back of the end zone and right before the goal line, I, I thought were really impressive as well. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this uh, this Wren Hurricane team. You guys are uh, 3-2, and 4-1 and one in the region, but you guys had to handle some business. You had to go through some adversity to get to where you got 
on Saturday night. You had the final game, and everybody there, of course, on the sideline. You had a lot of big names that used to go to Wren there hanging out with us because we actually had Kelly Bryant join us yesterday, uh, which was a lot of fun to get a former Wren uh, hurricane in here. But uh, tell us a little bit more. Introduce us to that, that, that school and to that team over there at Wren uh, High School. It's a, it's a pretty small school to an extent, um, but as a community, we all love the sports. And no matter the sport, cross-country, golf, tennis, football, basketball, we have athletes and the community stands behind them no matter, like I said, no matter the sport. And it's just crazy that how much talent we've had through there. I mean, you look at Bailey Rogers running track for South Carolina, Kelly Bryant, Jay, you're, I mean, the, the list is endless. And DJ Jones in the NFL, he went to Ren. And uh, so, like I said, the list is endless with talent coming through there. And the community knows us as well. This is just like a small stepping stone, and it was due to go win in the state championship because, like I said, so much talent coming through there. And I think that's why we as a group were just so excited, and I think that's why we're still celebrating and uh, just just continue to live on that, that dream that we just won. And uh, just pretty much, uh, we, like I said, we this, everything comes down to the community. We we do things for the community. We like we know that platform that we have for the little kids whenever they come and, you know, give us a high five and we open our car doors on Friday morning. We go to the three closest elementary schools. Uh, so we just try to keep it basic, but uh, everybody supports us and all that we do. Live right now with the offensive tackle over there, Hunter Fontaine, of course, uh, had a moment on uh, Saturday night that uh, a lot of us have, have reposted, have seen, have gone through. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that, but you, of course, uh, you and I talked last night and, uh, and kind of got into that conversation that you had with the Myrtle Beach, uh, defensive guy there who, of course, uh, he's a junior as well. So he'll be back next year. Who knows? You guys could see each other again in the state championship because you guys are both bringing back a lot of talent. So, uh, who's to say you don't get a rematch here this time next year, but as the game was over, a lot of us media guys run on the field there. We get interviews right and left. And I look over to my right, and here you are on one knee having a heart-to-heart with this guy from Myrtle Beach who you could tell, man, he had given everything he had on the field. And, and man, he had made this moment. He had made this memory. But it didn't finish the way he had started it. And, uh, of course, you had some words to say to him. I'm going to let you kind of break down that moment. How did you find this young man, and, and, and what made you kind of go over there and have the conversation with the guy on the other side? So uh, whenever, you know, the clock hit zero, we were in our victory formation and everybody ran off to the sideline to go celebrate. And I ran over there and then I started making my way back to the field to tell everybody congratulations. And I've seen him, I've seen him kneel down over there, squatted down, and I knew exactly what was going on because I've sort of been through what he's been through. And uh, because my brother, uh, sophomore year towards ACL meniscus and then his senior year, towards ACL meniscus and he was he was an amazing ball player he would he would go knock you in the mouth so I know how it is uh for that to end the way you don't want it to end and even though he is a junior it's still heartbreaking whenever you go 14 15 games grinding it out through the season and being battle tested so I just I just knew what he felt so uh, I went over there and talked to him 
I was just giving credit where credit is due. I was telling him how good of a ball player he was and uh, how he gave us trouble up front. I mean, he was on offensive and defensive line, and he was a freak athlete because I'm sitting here on the sideline watching him on defense, and he uh, did a little short pull to the outside, the running back's following off his butt. This this kid is running faster than the running back. I mean, I'm sure the running back wasn't as fast as he was running, but this offensive lineman, number 55, was getting up the field and making blocks and making plays for that running back. And he wasn't stopping anytime soon. And so I just walked up there and I told him just how good he was and how much potential he had. And I believe that he could go somewhere and continue his dream of playing football. And we talked about that. And um, so I think he really just took it to heart and he, he learned from it. I hope so. Um, so he uh, – told me thank you and we went our ways and uh, I woke up Sunday morning and I didn't know anybody was I saw people taking pictures but I didn't know anybody was videoing it and I got I couldn't take my thing my phone started shutting down because of so many notifications that it just went crazy everybody started retweeting it and liking it and messaging me telling me thank you for doing something like that and just active sportsmanship so I was just like mm. I, I think that's what it, I think that's what you're supposed to do um you win something like that, send the love out. Even if, even if they're the opposing team, you just can tell. You just still uh, just go congratulate them and tell them how good how good they are, and since they played so good. We're gonna play that video now. Uh, we did pull it up here, so I'll get Will here on the other side of the glass to pull this up here in a second. Here, we're gonna let everybody else kind of hear it a little bit there because it is. It's very. I, I think it's one thing being a former athlete who, uh, you know, I've been in those moments, man, where I've seen certain things. I've, I've been around certain type of people, man, and you're a special kind of athlete. You're the guy that you can't, you, you, you can't coach that in you. That's that heart that we talk about. That's a lot of these coaches talk about, you know, what's it like to have the heart, to have the ability to, to get out there and, and really wrap your arms around an opportunity, and you did that, man. For you to see, number one, to be on the sideline and, and, and this guy stand out enough to you, I think that's huge, first of all. And for you to be able to get out there and really show by character, man, it, it's big. So uh, we're going to play this, uh, of course, uh, now. This is uh, the gentleman from Myrtle Beach who uh, was, was struggling a little bit with the loss. And, of course, Hunter found him uh, over there just on one knee. And this is uh, what he had to say to him as he motivated him after a, a tough loss. You good, you good. And that was, I thought was uh, very well done, son. I, I tell you, keep being the man you are. And you'll hear that a thousand times. And when you get older, uh, you know, I hope somebody gives you the clip. We'll send it to you so that you have it as well. But I uh, thought you did a great job. thought you, uh, you guys played your hearts out. You guys gave it all, and you end up winning 35-23. Kind of a final thing here for me, man. What's the one thing out of the 2019 season? I know winning this championship is something that you're going to remember, but give me something previous to this game that, that's going to stand out to you uh, when it comes to a special season and you guys winning your first ever uh, state championship up there at Red High School. Prior to the state championship, um, we we just continuously clicked together, and we've been playing this whole team, Eli Wilson, Tyler Cherry, uh, Hayden Willem and the, that first touchdown. Um, literally, this whole group, 
all the receivers, most of the linemen, defensive players, we've all played together in 8U all the way to 12U youth league. So it's it's nothing new that we're playing together. But whenever we got to all the high school, we just clinched down on the fact that we know we'd have a chance to go to the state championship and win this thing. And we believe that from the first of the season. Even though we lost that first game in Camden County, we knew that we still were in that were in that running, and we had the potential and we had the talent to get there and win it. So uh, just the fact of just the fact of uh, just that much talent, all this we we locked in and we continued to grind through the season and made the made that big uh, achievement achievable, and just uh, went out there and got it. Well, brother, congratulations. Enjoy it until, you know, I tell you what, man, enjoy it until the time next year when this season starts to kick up. Of course, I know you guys have changed gears, but a, an honor well-deserved as you guys end up finishing off a really good season, 13-2, and 4-1 and one in the region. 35-23 was the final. You guys knocked out Myrtle Beach, the defending state champions in 4A football from last year. 4,000 people in attendance to watch you guys do it, by the way. Myrtle Beach finishes out, by the way, 13-1, and 5-0 and oh in their region, so you you guys saw the best. You beat the best, and now you are the best. So uh, we say thank you so much, man, from everybody here at Southern Sports Central to everybody across the country. For you being an offensive lineman, man, keep doing what you're doing because without the guys in the trenches, the guys in the backfield don't have a shot, man. So uh, this championship comes right literally or didn't come through your offensive line, which is why you guys were able to do what you guys were able to do, Hunter, man. Thanks for being a part of the show. Tell your guys over there, man, anytime they want to call in and if you guys want to get back in here, just pick up the phone and hang out with us, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a good day. You got it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the guy that gets an award for for character from us here at Southern Sports Central. He bent down, had the conversation. You heard him tell the guy, hey, man, you're a junior. I'm a junior. We'll be back here. You're a daggum good ball player. You know, got there and was honest with the kid, and I thought that was a first-class act. And, again, character when no one else is watching. He said it. He had no idea. Yeah, Ben, um, as of today – Twenty-five and a half thousand views on Twitter. This video has gotten, and so I guess it's guess it's fair to say that um, enough eyes have seen it, and that's uh, you know character, like you said, is when nobody's watching. Well, he had no idea that anybody was watching, but you know, really and truly, that that's what happens, and it and it's fantastic, uh, fantastic young man there, uh, Hunter is, and you said he's a junior, right? He's a junior. Like, yeah, so he's going to be coming back for one more season uh, to. Uh, defend the title and and for him and his team to uh, possibly be right back where they were on Saturday night next year um, but you know as of right now it's off season uh, training focus and regrouping for next year I'm sure yeah no doubt about it let's do this we'll take a quick break we're going to stay there at Rent High School we'll, we'll catch up with the DC the defensive coordinator he's also coaching the linebackers here Coach Ism is going to join us here next as you're listening to Southern Sports Central live on Blog Talk Radio
Everybody, I'm Rich Evan, alongside the producer on the other side of the glass. That's Will Porters. We're hanging out with you here live at Southern Sports Central Studios. This is the Urine's Pharmacy Studios. Of course, I want to thank all of our sponsors for doing what they do so that we can do what we're doing here Monday through Saturday. We do it Monday through Friday from 7 to 9, and we come at you an hour later on Saturday from 8 to 10. Now, the cool thing is this Saturday, I'm going to come to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where Will will be here in the studios, and I'll, of course, be up on the Grand Strand at the North-South game and hanging out with a lot of all-star kids and coaches and just the events overall. It's going to be a lot of fun catching up with a lot of guys who have been in here on the air with us, coaches that have joined us here and helped get that name brand out and around some other players because if we want to be in every high school we can. Uh, I spent some time yesterday talking to the offensive coordinator from Mallard Creek. Uh, he reached out to me. He and I had some really good in-depth conversations. Of course, they're out of the uh, state of North Carolina. They're going to be joining the show on a little regular basis. They listen to us all the way up there uh, on the other side of the borderline. And uh, again, we thank and welcome everybody who does what they can to help get us uh, heard and help, uh, I guess, promote us a little bit there because we want to be in every high school across the country. We definitely want to dominate and suffocate the state of South Carolina. I feel like we're doing a good job with that, but there's nothing wrong with us growing all the way across the board. Now, tomorrow, Cedar Grove's coaching uh, staff will join us, and we'll, we'll talk to them about their big game coming up on Friday night. That one should be a lot of fun as uh, we start to uh, try to get more and more uh, coaches and conversations because here in the state of South Carolina, it's all all-star talk from here on out. Of course, you have the uh, North-South game on Saturday. Next week, you have the Metro Bowl, and uh, I believe coming up, you're going to see the Shrine Bowl coming up as well. So a lot of big games coming up. Uh, with all-star talent all over the field. Now, without further ado, let's talk to an all-star coach, and uh, we'll head back to Wren High School over there in Pendleton, South Carolina, where they won a state championship, just had an offensive lineman from the school, and now we head to the D.C. side of the world. And Coach Ism, Coach, uh, top of the morning. Thanks for hanging out with us uh, bright and early. Good morning. How are everybody doing? We're good, man. You guys are – I didn't realize how much of a football factor you guys are, man. Let's brag about it. Let's talk about it, man. Uh, I'm hanging out on the sideline with this kid named Kelly Bryant and this other quarterback named Mr. Urich who plays at South Carolina. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, I start hearing all these other names that have come through this pipeline known as uh, Rent High School. Man, where you guys been? It's kind of a diamond in the rough hanging out in the upstate up there. Yeah, uh, we've been kind of kind of about like a gym kept up here for the longest. And this is my first season over here. But I've been very known to – compete against Ren for the longest, and they always had talent. Um, they never had, I guess, as far as a complete group until this year, but they always had great kids and great young men, um, as you as you talked to uh, previously. But, yeah, no, I mean, we, you know, they just kept grinding. Um, Coach Tate came on in 2009, kind of took it upon himself to rebuild a program that he grew up with and respected and knew the tradition of and finally got to the point where we accomplished uh, – Couple, well, last week, a couple of days ago, really. Uh, but 
Yeah, it's it's been awesome, man. I mean these these kids are resilient. Uh, we're never the biggest or the fastest, but they they play with the most heart. You know that's that's something to remind me of my old high school when I was in Georgia. So you know it's always something I appreciate. Live right now with the defensive coordinator over there at Rent High School, Coach Ism has uh, joined us here this morning. Looking forward to growing our relationship with you, Coach, not just over at Rent, but we're going to now kind of research a little bit about you. I'm going to let you tell us who is uh, Coach Ism. You said Georgia, so uh, tell us a little bit about your time before you got to Wren and and uh, your days of playing the game of football. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I started playing. Uh, I grew up in Tacoa, Georgia. And I started playing because my family, uh, my mother, she was a, uh, uh, I, I guess she was a sibling of 12. My father was a sibling of five. And so we always had a big family. And all of them was always sports people. And so I grew up watching my brother play. Uh, he played football at Dakota, Georgia, uh, Stevens County High School. And I followed thereafter. And my little brother followed me there too. Um, but I was a defensive lineman. I played offensive lineman, tight end, a linebacker. During my days at Stevens County, I was highly recruited. But I saw this as a calling because I was my, going into my senior year, you know, I had about four classes left to graduate. So I kind of took it for granted, didn't take care of my grades like I was supposed to, well, at least my SAT score. And, you know, it, it allowed me to be a prop for Gardner-Webb. Gardner-Webb stayed with me to the very end. And so whenever I graduated from high school and I was able to go to Gardner-Webb as a prop, you know, I was able to kind of – you know, get back with myself because uh, I thought I was bigger than the world. You know, and I always tell these kids, you know, at any given time, football can be taken away. And it was taken away from me for a year. I had to earn my scholarship at Gardner-Webb for a year. And then after that, uh, I was able to start on the offensive line at Gardner-Webb instead of playing D-line first and moving to offensive line. And then I started on the offensive line. Then the next year, they moved me to defensive line. And I started on defensive line. I became an all-conference player. At Gardner Webb, um, I thought my playing days were still going. Um, I had a couple contracts, you know. I kind of felt like my heart wasn't wasn't in that place no more, so I kind of fell out of that. Became a graduate assistant at Gardner Webb University for two years um, under the direction of Steve Patton and Ron Dixon Jr. Then thereafter, um, there was some time spent when I was trying to figure myself out again. There was a coaching change, and um, came down to South Carolina. And I was able to get in contact with Greenville High School whenever they had Phil Magnus as the head coach. He brought me in. Um, I was the defense coordinator for the middle school, uh, well, for the they call it the D team program at Greenville High. That was in 2012, 2013. Then thereafter, uh, I became the defense coordinator of the ninth grade team. Now, this is all uh, based on the fact you know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't understand what Cover Two was at first, but I knew I wanted to be a part of kids. Um, you know, I knew I wanted to help them as much as people have helped me. Um, I started early. Uh, I played varsity as a freshman, and then I started as a sophomore in high school. I had 115 tackles, but I wasn't supposed to start. Uh, there was a guy in front of me that was a senior. He was, high, you know, highly talented and recruited, big, strong, and all that, and I wasn't the biggest or strongest. But, you know, I was I was very smart. You know, I would watch film and I knew I had to outsmart people because I wasn't the biggest and the strongest or the fastest. And I took that upon myself the way I played to where I have to coach. Um, so I did a lot of film work. I did a lot of study work. And I ended up kind of understanding defense because I didn't want to shortchange the kids. So picking up on that, you know, I was a ninth grade defensive coordinator the next year in 2013, 2014. 
Then I had an opportunity after that to go to Seneca High School in 2014 to 15 uh, under the direction of Gene Cascart. Uh, we had a big run. You know, we went and won the region. Um, that was a good, great group of kids as well. And, you know, I thought, thought that was a talented group until I came up here, but I'll I touch base on it here in a minute. But I was the outside backers coach at Seneca, and I was the defense coordinator of the JV team. Well, another opportunity came uh, at Easley High School in 2015-2016 under the direction of John Wyndham. He was my defensive coordinator in uh, Gardner-Webb University. And so he brought me on initially. Uh, he was going to make me an offensive coordinator because, you know, we, we used to always talk football, and he was going to coach the defense, and I was going to coach the offense. But we ended up getting a guy uh, who was a Clemson guy who, who was really talented on offense, and he ended up making me defense coordinator. Which y'all worked out in a sense, and I learned more from him during that time. And uh, I was a defense coordinator there easily for the next two or three years. And we had a great group. You know, we had a great defense. Uh, we made it to the first round of the playoffs. Uh, not the first year, but the next two years we made it. We played Greenwood the first time we made it. And then we played Gaffney High School the second time. Played them real good on defense. Uh, we still gave us some scores here and there. And I learned a lot during that time um, as far as strategic measures and strategies. And all during this time, I was going against Wren High School. Uh, my first year, second year at Greenville High, we went against Wren High School and they put us out. That's when it was a big scoring deal. Uh, they scored 71 points. And I think we scored like 60 or 63. And I didn't know who Wren High School was. Until I, you know, that's when I kind of first met Kelly Bryant. Uh, we went against Kelly when he was at Abbeville, and then I went against him the next time when he was at Wren High School. So I thought that was kind of neat to go against him again at Wren, but he kind of just, he blew us out the water. But that's when I kind of started paying attention to Wren a little bit more. Then when I got to Seneca, we went against him again. Uh, they beat us at the very last minute on a kickoff return. And, you know, that was an exciting game. And then thereafter, when I was at Easley, didn't realize that Wren and Easley was a big rivalry went against Coach Tate then as well. So, I, you know, the, the relationship and the history between us both was always there, uh, but it really didn't kind of tap into a relationship that I got to easily, and I started getting the respect part of it because I was a defense coordinator. And we had some tough battles. Um, he beat me the last year we played him. I think it was like 24-21, and the two previous years uh, we won when I was at easily. But um, I've always had respect for Coach Tate and what he did, and I wanted to be a part of the program in some form of fashion. Uh, whenever I left the program of Easley High, you know, due to unforeseen circumstances, um, I went to JLMN High School. And I really, and me and Coach Tate talked about it, uh, we talked about what changed and molded our coaching careers and fashion. Well, we always mentioned the years where we didn't really win the game. Because uh, last year when I was at JLMN, we went 0-10. But I learned more about the game of football then than I did before uh, because I had to use you, – you really have to you really have to coach. Not to say you don't coach now, but the kids over here, they just their football IQ is just over 100. You know, so it made my job a whole lot easier as far as scheming and game plan and everything else. But with JMN, you know, we had to do a lot of stuff as far as um, having different calls. Um, at times we wanted to put wristbands on the defense to where we make it easy, you know, dummy-proof in a sense. Uh, so, you know, they know the calls. If I said play one, everybody see what they had on play one. they go with it and go to play, whatever else. But I learned more about myself as a coach 
learn more about myself as a man, as a uh, figure, but not just, you know, not just for the football players, for my family as well. Because uh, at one point, you know, going on 10, you kind of get get creeping in your mind, like, yo, do I know what I'm really doing? <laughs> but, you know, you go on 10. I never went on 10 before, but it was a very character-building time for me. And day after that season, uh, we had some situations going on in my family, and, you know, it, it, we were really driving almost an hour away, hour and 30 minutes almost, depending on the traffic. And I stepped down from jail, man. I said, well, you know, I just want to come back home. You know, I want to spend my time with my kids. Want to find a, a area where I can be an impact? You know, that's what God was kind of leading me to do. Is you know, find find where I can be an impact. Not that I wasn't impact the jail man, but I was kind of being strained between the drive and my family. So I wanted to find somewhere where my family and everybody else could be a part, and it would feel like home. You know, and I had a couple of places where I was kind of thinking in mind, but Ren stuck out the most. Um, Coach Tate was very respectful. He was very diligent in the fact of you know, doing what needed to be done, you know, for me to come over. Because I didn't know how it was going to be whenever I found out uh, when Coach Freight left. And I have a lot of respect for Coach Freight. He's a new head coach at uh, Hillcrest High School. And I knew him from Lawrence High School. We competed against each other that easily. So I always had a lot of respect for Coach Freight and what he did with the defense. And they had a great year. The year before I came, went to the third round. And I didn't realize he was leaving until I saw he had left and went to Hillcrest. So when I stepped down from J.O. Man, um, I tried to get in contact with Coach State, you know, see if it would be a possibility of a chance. And that's kind of how we got hooked up and got together. And, you know, since I've been over here, um, it's been a, you know, a great experience. You know, I've, I've been asked the whole time for like the last week, you know, has my feet touched the ground from the state championship? And I told him, I said, I've been walking. I said, really true, but I was on cloud now and I first came over here. I mean, because, you know, it's, I've always had a lot of respect for Ren, the community, um, because, I mean, the high school, the school system itself, it is in Ren. So, you know, they, there's nothing else there. There's no town. There's no downtown, no no street, nothing like that. You know, the Ren community is the Ren high school. And so it was cool to get the support that you have and the, the kind of community-based deal that they have over here. And it just makes us all feel like family. And, you know, with the elementary school, the high school, the ninth grade, you know, everything kind of being within walking distance, I feel like it's a pleasure and a treat itself. So, yeah, I was walking on cloud nine when I first got here because I had all my kids with me. My wife, she's working at the high school. And it's like, you know, we're out here as a family, and that's what we always wanted, you know, be a part of a, a team, a, a school where it's family-based. Not that other schools aren't family-based, but, the, the true things that, you know, that really makes the run that we made, it takes a community to kind of help on that. Um, if the parents aren't involved, if the administration don't have your back, uh, if the coaches are not on board with each other, or even if the kids don't love each other like the way they do here, um, you're not going to be as successful as you want to be because there's still going to be some cracks for the enemy to kind of come in and take advantage of you. But, yeah, I mean, it's, that that's really my story. Um I always tell people, yeah, I, I I was getting looked at at one point, you know, in college as far as going to the – I had a couple of contracts for arena, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, at the time, they didn't cover the insurance for arena too, you know, and they, they're completely out now. So I was going to be on a developmental league and then earn my full one next. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to kind of get into my calling, which was coaching. Um, I didn't think I was going to coach until I did my graduate assistant. 
And, you know, I, I really wanted to be a graduate assistant because I didn't want to get away from Gardner-Webb. I love Gardner-Webb. Uh, it gave me a chance nobody else wanted to give me. And that's why I feel like it ran. I, you know, I'm indebted to Ren High School, not because of the championship, but because of the love and the care that they and the respect that it showed me to my family uh, from the beginning to now. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's my story. Well, Coach Isma, I tell you what, I love it, man, because here's it's a small world, and the circle of life in athletics is, is so real, and it's, it's so small, to be honest with you. Yeah, we've got uh, over at Somerville, where I'm the voice of the Green Wave, uh, not just on Friday nights. I'm around those cats uh, Monday through Sunday a good bit throughout. I watch them from little boys to grown men. I get a chance to you know hang around some of the closest guys in my life, the coaches. Are, you know, we're all brothers here uh, in this industry. We all have a certain job. You're defensive coordinator you also coach the linebacker for me i'm that social media guy i'm the guy on the radio for him i'm the guy that uh, goes out and, and, and tries to promote you know their film but i do the same for a lot of kids not just at somerville of course i'm doing it now for you guys over at Wren. these guys will send me some film and i'll just retweet it out and put it out on social media because it's like you said it's a calling you know you can you can talk a lot about what you want and then god will show you what you're going to do I and mean, it's kind of an interesting That's thing right. you, you think you're going one way and then god says well you are going that way but you're going that way to get to this way, not that way. And uh, you're, you're, you're a living testimony of that. Now, I'm going to tell you three names. Three names. Two of them have been uh, coaches, I think. Uh, no, I'm going to check that. They've played. They have definitely have played over there at Gardner-Webb. One current guy is a running back, D.J. Hancock. He ran the ball for Somerville. The kid is, uh, man, I tell you, he's currently running over there. I think he's either the number two or three guy in the backfield. But this kid can run as good as anybody. He's the last 1,000 rusher at Somerville. Uh, he runs, he gets knocked down, he smiles the whole way down, back up, and all the way back to the huddle. Then there's Jody Kafina. Jody, of course, uh, played back in the day over there at Gardner-Webb. Now he's a coach over here at Somerville. And Carlo Jimenez, who also was a coach, uh, I think a, a, a graduate assistant coach, but he also played over there for you guys as well. So, you know, I've never met anybody that's ever gone to Gardner-Webb that's ever had a bad thing to say about this place or anything but nothing but extremely positive stuff. And I tell you what, man, it's making me more and more of a believer, and I keep sending guys that way. I keep saying, look, man, I'm just going to say it's not that far away from Charleston. It's not that far away from the state of South Carolina, of course, because it's in North Carolina. Go check it out. Go see what they've got because never have I ever heard anybody. And you know what, like I do, Coach, you talk to somebody. Somebody's going to have something to say that's just going to be like, really? <laughs> never have I ever heard that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. See, that really reminds me a lot of Gardner-Webb because Gardner-Webb, that's, that's all that's up there in that town in Bowling Springs. It, it used to be just a caution light, but they made it into like a regular stoplight. Now it's got green and yellow, red lights. But, I mean, it's, it's really the, the school itself is in the middle of, you know, just Bowling Springs. I took uh, a colleague of mine, I call him my brother. Uh, he, he talked with y'all here a couple of times. Uh, Joshua Avis, I took him up there because we competed against each other when he was at Ohio. And he wanted to know what Gardner was like. And I took him around. I said, it's one big circle. And we went one big circle. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really community, community based around there, too. And that's what kind of drew me a lot to Wren. And that's how my high school was. I mean, we used to shut down the whole town when I was in high school. And they would come and watch us play. And then they would open it back up after the game. And that's some of the, some of the sense that Bowling Springs would do. And Wren has done that as well. But yeah, I mean, Gardner Webb, you know, hey, you're gonna have your good and bad times. You know, you're gonna have some that some bump of the roads up there. But my overall experience was great at Gardner Webb. I mean, they, they, they love me and I love them. 
Um, they respected me, and I respect them. Because, like I said, they gave me an opportunity that a lot of people took from me. Um, you know, they, they took a chance on me. And that's that's what it's about. And, you know, that's what I base my coaching on, you know, taking a chance on a kid. I always tell a kid, if you show me 10%, I'll give you the extra 90. You know, if you show me that you're trying, I'll give you the rest of it. you got to show me you're trying. I like that. I mean, that's going to be a quote we're going to definitely – Remember, show me 10%, and I'll give you the other 90%. And that's, you know, every coach that we've heard from that's won a state championship, and even the coaches here in the low country that I get a chance to spend more time with than anybody, heart is the number one thing. You can't teach it. Yep. You know, you can't you, you can't go out there and, and, and buy it. It's got to be brought inside of you, and then it comes out of you. So, you know, they always say whatever's in you is going to come out. So if you come in with a lot of heart, a lot of heart's going to come out of you on the football field. And, uh, Coach, I appreciate your time here, and, and I want to open up this invitation. When you have free time, when you have some things going on, because the off season's coming up, we're going to have some some things that we're going to need to cover a little bit. Because again, it's easy to talk about football, you know, when there is football. It's like it's easy to have fun when you're winning, right? Well, right now there's no That's football true. going on per se, so let's make some football going on. Let's talk about what their uh, defensive side of the line right now. What are they doing? What should they be doing? Because you guys just want to stay championship. So whatever you guys did this time last year, it worked. And I said this to some kids yesterday. I said, if, if this team does what they did this time last year, then that means this time next year we're going to be talking about the same conversation. You know, it's the old thing that, uh, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting, a, a, you know, a change is, uh, what is it now again there, Will? Insanity. That's the word I'm looking for, insanity. And so, again, what we're trying to instill in this young generation coming up, Coach, and you and I, I'm not sure your age, but I'm sure we're in somewhere of uh, uh, a similarity here. But when we grew up, things were a lot different. So what do we have to do hey, with coaches and mentors and, 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 and guys that do what we do in our professions is that we've got to kind of adjust a little bit. Kids can say things in hallways that, you know, when I would know, you couldn't even say half of the words that they use in these hallways now, and they can do things and, you know, wear earbuds in the hallway. It's amazing to me what kids get away with now in, in, in the schools. You know, and yeah. for me, again, yeah, I'm not. It's, it's tough on that. It is, because well, here's what happens. The standard hasn't changed in football. The standard hasn't changed in the world of sports, right? I mean, minus the fact that there's no more bull in the ring. God, I miss it. I mention it every time I get a chance because I miss it. So it's, like, it's, it's like an old girlfriend that you just, the one that got away. Uh, but for me, <laughs> it's the one drill that made sense, man. It's like, dude, you got all this frustration, right? You chop your feet, yeah. here comes number one, five, and eight, man, and you know he's coming from somewhere. You just don't know where because the first one you knew he was coming from. But that guy yeah, probably hit you pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't know where the other three was coming from. So you're oh, my God, going dude. In a circle. <laughs> <laughs> and you're chopping your feet. You're getting up. You're like, oh, my God. But – Hey, look, the deal is get knocked down three times, get up four times. And those guys did it. We did it. It made us better. And I yeah. don't blame the kids. Yeah, Frank Martin said it. He's a Gamecock basketball coach. Don't blame these kids for where they are in life. Blame the adults that are in their life. Because we are the ones who are molding these kids, whether it be life, whether it be relationships, whether it be culture, it's our fault. If they see something some way, they're taught that from outside. They're coming into this world as innocent as they can be. It's those they surround themselves with. It's just the old rule, right? Mindful that comes right, to me. I tell yeah. kids all the time. Show me three of your closest friends, and I'll break you down and probably make you cry because I'll tell you exactly the kind of person you are. And it may go well, but it doesn't always work that way, Coach. <laughs> You're right. And I say it is. I won't say too much else. But I think that's what kind of separated Ren from other places I've been. And no disrespect to any other athlete I ever coached or even team, but Ren kind of separated. So you just mentioned it. 
the parents are so involved over here, and they understand the fact of what it takes for your child to be successful. And so if they know if anything needs to be done, it's no, you don't have to pull nobody's arm doing anything. You don't have to kind of, you know, kind of talk your way into getting them to do something. No, you tell them the need and they'll do it. And above that, you mentioned the heart factor. Uh, that's the only reason why we've been successful as we were. This senior class, they have so much heart. And these younger guys, and I made it a point to play a lot of young guys. And so we'll have, I had about 16 guys that will be returning next year that was young. And so the fact that they was able to get that varsity experience through the season, the playoffs was tremendous because they understand the heart factor now. Because we were never the biggest or the strongest, never had the most athletes. Um, I, I can tell you a couple of teams that had the most athletes. But they've always had the most heart, and because of their parents and the community that always back these kids up, these young men up, as I say, you know, that's the reason why we were so successful. I love Ren for that because they know what it takes. They know it's based on the community and the home. And they take care of both of those, too. And I appreciate Ren so much for that. Well, you know, the one thing I enjoy the most, Coach, is that are, are having you guys in here. And, again, we could have talked numbers and stats and all that. You know what? But, but 95% of the people that listen to us, I think, can read pretty good. Uh, and I can read back to you this whole number sheet that I've got in front of me from the Myrtle Beach game. Or I can go back and look at what you guys were able to do against Perry Park's team, which that's, that's what won me over. You know, I know Perry pretty well here. Uh, he's a guy who has been on the show multiple times. We've got some connections through friends and all that stuff. And I know his ability to coach up his kids, but he's also got a lot of kids. You talked about talented kids all over the field. You know, they've got that. When those guys came up there to you guys uh, the week before you guys made that road trip over to the state capitol. And uh, to see what you guys were able to do against a very good, well-designed team out of uh, Columbia, I was like, there you go. They're good. They're definitely good. And, again, we've had your quarterback in here for the last three or four weeks because the same guy, by the way, that I talk about, Mr. Hancock, uh, the running back over there at uh, Gardner-Webb, it was his dad that turned me on to Mr. Owens, who's here in Somerville. So, again, the world is very small, and, and the things that God puts in front of us are, are quite amazing. But uh, having you in here and now having you part of our family and a contributor to Southern Sports Central because I am going to challenge you next week to get back in here with us. I want you to give us a drill, something that – uh, you, you can give us the linebackers, you can give us the, the defensive line, even the secondary, you're a coordinator, so you get a chance to talk about anything on that side of the ball. But my problem is right now with this generation is what do you do when, when nobody's watching? All right, I get the season's over. You're going to wait for the spring for your coaches to tell you to start working out together as a team, or are you going to go head out to the football field and go find three or four of the guys that you've been working with during the season and continue the drills that these coaches have taught you to do? That's why they teach you that. Yeah, I, I think that's – somebody told my – I talked to the coach from – well, I, I ain't going to say where he came from. But he's in the area. And he's always said, as far as our kids, he's always seen our kids, you know, even as we had lifted and during the summer, during the season, he's seen them go to the Y or to, a you know, a specialist or something like that. He said, yo, he said, I thought that's all y'all was doing. He said, but I would go to the Y, you know, I would go on social media. Y'all would have kids, not just your starters, but people, you know, that – that would just kind of rotating in, they would do stuff on the side. You know, they, they would do stuff on their own. He said, do y'all tell them to do that? I said, no, we don't tell them to do that. I said, that really is the expectation that we have for them. I said, they they want to be great. They want to be good. They want to be known. And, you know, so that's, you had mentioned that. Yeah, they, they know what's expected. Um, a lot of them, especially the young guy, they say, hey, Coach, man, I'm ready to hit that weight room. You know, it, it's going to be – we'll try to repeat next year. You know, that's, that's the goal. You know, and I, I told him, you know, let, let's just be the best pr- people we can be. Let's be the best rent product we can be. Let's be the best hurricane we can be. 
we do that, we'll be fine. Because that was our focus this past year. Let's be who we are. If we are who we are, then we'll win. But when we don't be who we are, then we'll we'll lose. I mean, that's 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 been what it is. So you know, but yeah, no, I I most definitely want to contact y'all next week. Yeah, I, I got some drills. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a bunch of. Them. I love to talk yeah, about. We- them. <laughs> We've had a, and that's what this show's about. We're here to educate, entertain, and do a little sarcasm, have a little fun along the way. And again, there's always something to talk about. There's always something that that somebody's mama, somebody's daddy's out there listening in, and they're they're tweeting at us, they're texting us, they're calling me right after the show, going, "Damn man, that was so great to have on the quarterback trainer. It was so great to have on this coach, or, or man, what a great interview you had there with the coach's wife." Which I got a chance. I feel like family. You know, I've gotten a hug from Mama Tate, so I'm, I, it's kind of a big deal. And I oh, put yeah, it on the yeah, internet, which makes now. it real. <laughs> I thought it, yeah. You good, you get a hug man. from Mama Tate now. That's it. That's it. That's I felt right pretty there. good about it, man. And I've learned <laughs> two things in life. Number one, uh, if you find a, a winning coach, he's got a winning wife somewhere within the proximity of, of this program, right? And number two, yep, if you true. can surround yourself with a bunch of great parents, man, you've got nothing else but success around you. And, and it sounds like you guys have done that over there. At Wren High School, uh, I, I'm very privileged. I get a chance to meet Coach Tate a little bit more. I did interview him as well uh, after the uh, after the game, but I'll be up there at the North South game this weekend up there in my hometown of Myrtle Beach. But uh, it'd be a lot of fun, man. And if you're up that way Saturday, uh, you know, and I know you got little ones there, man, and I love hearing them in the background. So don't ever, don't ever not have them around, man. I, I think that's what makes the world go round, and, and, and it builds smiles and laughter, man. I, uh, I I have four of my own. My youngest is nine, and my oldest is. 18, 19, 19 years old, man. So, uh, yeah, I love it. It's what yeah, it's I'm all about, about man. I, I, I'm about I got staircases. I got six kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you, yeah, you got a, you got a basketball team and one. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I got I got a sub to come off the bench, a six man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man We're working on basketball awesome. dribble. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, well, thank you so much, Coach. I, I do appreciate what you've given to the community yeah. that you're in, to, to the time that you've given, to the game that you played, and, and, and you get it, man. And again, uh, the football fact you know, man, is uh, Wren High School over there in Wren, South Carolina, everything that you guys continue to put together, uh, we appreciate it, man. That hospitality that you guys are always uh, reaching out and want to be a part of this show. And we're at, right here in Somerville, right? Another football factor here with our legendary coach, uh, McKissick, that passed away a couple of weeks ago. But uh, Coach Call has done a great job. I mean, he's picked it up right where it's left off, and he's grown, and he's gotten better. And we've, we've, uh, we've done some big things with a lot of big things around the corner. But uh, with that being said, there's a lot of competition from the coastline to the mountains, and uh, you and I will catch up off the air here shortly. Yes, sir. Thank Always a pleasure. They. Yes, sir. It's our pleasure as well. There you go, guys. That is the defensive coordinator from Wren High School over there. Uh, Coach is a linebacker. He's an overall seer of the defense. And, of course, Coach Ism, uh, a great call there. we got to head to a quick break. We'll reset. It is a little bit past the hour, so we're going to hit a reset button. Uh, Bryce Kuhn is trying to get in with us. He's telling me that he's not in the best reception area, and that happens sometimes when you're traveling doing what we do. Uh, but if we get him in, great. If not, we'll keep this conversation going. we got some college football to get into coming up next. You want to join us? Come all in. Hang out with us. If you're a former player, current player, coach, anybody, you want to talk sports, we got you right here. 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. The Matt's Burgers hotlines are open for the rest of the hour. You're listening to Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. 
Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich. I'm alongside Mr. Will Porter, the producer of the show here on the other side, hanging out with us as uh, we do want to thank those over at Wren High School. Man, we've kind of uh, we got a little uh, a connection there because of the fact that we have had on uh, so many players. We've got a quarterback, an offensive lineman, two defensive coaches coming in here with us. And to me, that's the big picture here. That's what we're all about here. Josh Abrams, of course, uh, the defensive uh, line coach, joined us here. You know, his storyline, he played, he grew up, I believe, uh, in Ohio played in Ohio, went on and played a little bit of stuff with the Packers and a few other teams there, and then found his way through some things right over there to Wren High School, and then currently just had the defensive coordinator. That would be his boss, by the way, uh, Coach Ism. I know they don't always look at it that way, but that's the way the steer stacks fall uh, to get them in here. And again, offensive side of the ball covered, defensive side of the ball covered, and uh, you know we'll get the bus moving now. We're going to head to Georgia. Just not sure whether we'll stop in Atlanta in the next interview, we'll hang out in Valdosta, Georgia. We're trying to track down uh, Mr. Kuhn, who, of course, uh, Bryce Kuhn is with 24-7 Sports out of Valdosta, Georgia. He just got an opportunity in the state of Alabama, I believe in Birmingham, uh, with a minor league baseball team. So that's going to be a lot of fun for him. He'll get a chance to do some things that uh, kind of write up his uh, wish list. And I guess Santa came a little early for him, and he'll now call it Alabama the state home for a while now. That's going to be a lot of fun. Doing minor league baseball uh, is a lot um a lot of fun uh, because of the fact that there's so much, it's almost, uh, you know, it's the grassroots of baseball. Major leagues is, I don't dislike the major league baseball level. Again, I'm a baseball guy as well as a, a football guy. But for me, uh, baseball, it, it, it's the minor league part of life. It, it's kind of the, the grassroots of what it's all about because they haven't forgotten. It's not as much of a, a show as it is a game. It's still a game in there. The, 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 the hot dogs are, are, man, everything's great. The, the peanuts are boiling. And if you've ever come to Charleston, I'm going to encourage you to go to the Riverdog Stadium because it's right there on the water. It's got its own little, uh, it's got its own little aura there. And it, it, to me, its own character to the game of baseball. And then if you go up to Myrtle Beach, they have the Pelicans, and that's a whole new deal there. That's mm-hmm. uh, it's got every bit of a, uh, uh, of, I'm trying to think. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to remind, kind of think about what kind of park it would remind you of, but it's it's really a good organization being well, a part of the old Durham Bulls that came down. Yeah, well, if you were, um, if you have ever gone to Riverdog Stadium or to Myrtle Beach Pelicans there um, in Myrtle Beach, you know that their stadiums kind of fare similar to each other. Right. And um, and just a little fun fact: there are there are four teams um, that are in the state of South Carolina, but five stadiums. So believe it or not, the Greenville um, or no, the Augusta Green Jackets. You've got the Greenville Drive, and then you've got the Augusta Green Jackets. The Augusta Green Jackets, uh, their stadium was uh, that 
just recently been built across the river, across the Savannah River in North Augusta, South Carolina. Right. And it's got a, that ballpark there is, you know, right along the, um, right along the river. You got a, you got a net that prevents any of the home run balls uh, sailing out, out there into the water. And then you've got out in left field, a, um, I think it's like a, kind of like a high rise hotel. I forget how many stories that it is. It was uh, constructed um, or was in, in construction before I moved. And then, you know, you got the Greenville Drive that fares similar to Fenway Park because they are a uh, Class A affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. Then you go down, you got the Columbia Fireflies, who um, their their park, Segra Park, has been um, has won numerous awards. It's it's brand new. The part the part of that Bull Street project down there um, or up there, and Class A affiliate of the New York Mets. Tim Tebow, whenever he was going through their system, uh, he played there for half of a season. Um, and then down here at the River Dogs, Class A affiliate of the New York Yankees. Right. And so, I mean, just just looking all around in the state of South Carolina, especially that, you know, in the in these larger area cities, you have uh, minor league uh, minor league teams that, you know, if you if you just want uh, you and a friend of yours to you know go out and to have fun, uh, and you know, to, in a way making making memories, but also having a casual conversation. Uh, America's pastime is the place to be. Yeah, you know, again, we, we'll talk baseball as baseball gets a little bit closer here, but, uh, you know, just, just the opportunity to talk about taking advantage of, of these minor league uh, organizations in your town because if you don't go out there and, and enjoy them, they won't stay around because they can't fund them to stay around. Right, right now we've got, of course, uh, we're very blessed here in Charleston in, in many ways, by the way, but one of the things we do have is we have a minor league appeal here. Uh, they have a soccer team here, the battery that's really, really good. These guys uh, have set a lot of goals, a lot of trends, done some things. Now they're moving to where they are in Daniels Island. They're going to go out there to where the College of Charleston plays at. That's big. Of course, they've got right now the Stingrays that are playing. Now the Stingrays, uh, man, these guys are really good. They, they win year after year. They might not win the Kelly Cup every year, but they're always in that conversation. A lot of guys come through there. Now, to me, when they and, and, I, and I say this because uh, I remember growing up going to these games, and they used to drop out, fight right and left and every once in a while they'd stop and play some hockey you know i mean it was big they don't do that anymore because of everything in the safety and i, and I get that stuff but uh, that was what hockey and minor league was known for man the, the old men up there sitting on the glass hitting it hitting, hitting it and, and beating it down and all that and then you see the fights break out and just a different atmosphere then you go over to uh the minor league baseball field up the river dogs so there's a three different teams here just in charleston that you can really enjoy and i say this all the time and i've said this on other shows if they're going to continue to create bowl games, and they had one, I'm not sure if I see it on the docket right now, but they used to go to the Bahamas and play one. Never understood right. that. Yeah. Yep. Well, I never understood that because they don't do they don't do American football. They do European football, which is soccer. Of course, that's more of a sport down there. They need to bring a bowl game here. Bring a bowl game to Charleston. It is a destination. They can build a huge venue. They can play multiple things out of it. Concerts can play out of it. Put it in Dorchester County. Put it in Berkeley County. Put it somewhere on this side. You have all these different people. Volvo's now in town. Of course, uh, you know, you got the guys down the street building the planes in town. I mean, there's so many different major companies that have come through Charleston who are calling it home now. And, and to me, when Bowen's here and Volvo's here, there's no reason we don't have a bigger stadium here. To, and, you know, again, that's where you could put the soccer team can play there on a regular basis. You can put uh, AstroTurf down, right? So you, you can have all the, the, the things there. It can be known for many things, but it also can hold a massive amount of crowd. You imagine an ACC versus an SEC bowl game in the state of South Carolina, in Charleston, South Carolina. It's already the number one 
a destination in the world by so many different magazines. You put a uh, college football game in this town, my gosh, they'd have to build more hotels just for this one event. Yeah, and, you know, those high-rise apartments that uh, where um, I-26 ends going into Charleston, they're going to have to build more of those or or expand on them. They need to finish them up. Finish them up quickly, open them up for hotel rooms instead of apartments. No, I, I tell you, that's a, that's a good um, that's a good little matchup, ACC versus SEC, because you kind of got both um, both down here within the belt of um, of the South, and um, you know, you got them on you got them on either side. But I, I tell you that that that's a very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to fathom it. Of course, you know where where would the game be? Rumor has it that CSU. Uh, is in in the next I would say next five to ten years. Of course, this is this is all pure um, hearsay. This is uh, the rumor has it that they are trying to upgrade their football facilities from what they have it now. Right. And uh, to be to be a challenging um, to be a better challenging football program in the Big South Conference that they are in. Right. And uh, to you know produce a better venue for um, for Charleston because you have uh, I think it's you have College of Charleston and then Charleston Southern and then the um, Citadel and then the Citadel. But the Citadel, oh, Citadel, Citadel, yeah, I, I, I completely forgot about the Citadel. How, how dare I? But uh, you know, College of Charleston, they don't, they don't have a football program. And then the only two, of course, um, and and that's the, the crosstown rivalry that they have, uh, CSU and and the Citadel. Gosh, how can I forget about the Citadel? <laughs> but but the Citadel's uh, Citadel football, um, that that stadium there is, is a lot larger than than CSU's for sure, and. If you put a bowl game there at, at the Citadel, you know you have you have the parking uh, right where um, the the Charleston Riverdog Stadium is right on um, the the Joe is right next to the Citadel or right near it. Yep. Uh, you got you got all that parking right there. Yeah. If if, if anybody out there is listening or uh, happens to know a sponsor or wanting to put a, a bowl game down here in the Low Country in in CHS, then uh, you know reach out because th- there's a lot. Uh, I think there's a heavy fan base of, of football fans down here. In and it's not just state. here, though. Again, you, you look at it, Will, and, and, and the realization, okay, so a couple things. First of all, uh, the College of Charleston actually did have a football team many, 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 extremely many moons ago, and it was a very successful one. I think they went 1-0. I think that was about it. It was a one-and-done <laughs> deal. That's a true story, though. So with that being said, the College of Charleston does not have a football team. Now, I will say this, that a coach that I know currently coaches in, in Division One and, and not a Power Five, but right under that Power Five said that if they ever gave a football team to the College of Charleston, man, he's coming to Charleston to coach it. So that's a big deal. And it wouldn't be hard to recruit a kid. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the guy-to-girl ratio alone at the College of Charleston is incredible for these guys. So uh, I always said that growing up in Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach never really had – they never had a football team until after I graduated high school, went off to college to play sports. Uh, then they got a football team late, much later after that. But I always used to say, man, how hard is it to recruit a, a football player to come play in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? And, and again, you know, you, you have all the bells and whistles that go with that. Uh, not hard, and, and, they, and they've shown that. They've had a lot of success there. Uh, they're at, at Coastal early. Again, they started in the Big South, and, and here they are now in the Fun Belt, right? They're enjoying a lot of different things. Uh, when it comes to the Citadel Man tradition, 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 much deeper than just on the football field. The Dell has so much history that goes all the way through. Their baseball programs have been very good. Their football program, right. very good. Basketball, track. I mean, you name it, they're really good because and they're, they're very disciplined. They're very disciplined. That's the word right. I was about to use. And it comes through it. Now, I've got a lot of my family that have gone through the Citadel and played. My cousin played second base uh, there. Of course, uh, he he was fast, man. Bam Bam was was fast, and of course, uh, Joe called the coach over there at the uh, 
at Somerville, the head coach over there, he played quarterback over there. Coach Self was a defensive guy over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can sit here and go through a lot of uh, guys that have gone through. Coach Nez, of course, uh, was, was a, a big lineman over there for the Dell. Coach Smitty that calls in, he coaches at another high school, but he calls in. There's so many connections that you hear. Even going to the funeral, to Ted Burns' uh, celebration there on Monday. Or was it Monday? It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, sir. And uh, the preacher there from that church went to the Dell. So, I mean, again, it is a historical place. It's got a lot of meaning. You get that ring on your finger, man. It's it's not as it's not as big as a wedding ring, but but it's still a really big deal there. And and, and I, of course uh, look for you to be able to manage and go through the, the 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 parts. And it's nowhere near what it used to be there because they used to have the initiations. I'm calling hazing, but it's part of the process of being there. Don't have it anymore. You know, I remember being here and the first time the girls got in, and that's hey, it works. It is what it is. And uh, they earn their keep, and, and it's just no different than anybody else, right? Congratulations, because uh, a lot of these girls are, are doing big things for the Citadel and getting them recognized at a different level in a different way. But when you talk about putting a bowl game, we're going to put a bow on this one here and move on here about 827, Will. Um, when you talk about it, it, it's not just to come here for the people here. No, it's to bring more people here. And everybody's like, whoa, wait a minute, man. Dorchester County is about to explode at the seams here. You know, I went down there yesterday. I uh, had a meeting at a, a future customer here for Southern Sports Central, and they were filming that commercial, the Budweiser commercial, which you're going to do for the next uh, two, three days here and uh, for the Super Bowl. And uh, man, there's so many people in this town, and I've watched it. And, oh, by the way, if you haven't been downtown yet, and I haven't seen it at night, but I did see a picture on the Internet, which makes it true, uh, they have taken the fountain downtown, and they've gotten a green light on it finally. Mm-hmm. Now, you remember, well, you might not remember, I gave a good push to them to do that during football season because for Somerville, paint the town green, man. Make the fountain green. Put these green bows on your on your doors. And the one thing that I want Southern Sports Central to do is what we're doing now. We're talking about bringing things into the community, bringing a bowl game into the community because it's not just going to benefit uh, Dorchester or Berkeley County. And I would recommend they put that up there on I-26 going right outside of Berkeley and Dorchester County. The Volvo companies up that way. You got Bowen down in Charleston, but they can still – be a part of that as well but there's so much green grass out that way that they really can build a nice facility i don't want it to be at a college right i want it to be somewhere that we can utilize it on a regular basis we can hold events there we can do other things there they can bring in other tournaments they can bring in other uh events uh, be it a concert or something like that it can always be a revenue that's going to bring revenue right and, and i think that's kind of the thing here if we put it out of college then, then you're kind of limited there no i want it to have its own identity its own stadium it's own opportunity there because, again, you can play an all-star game there. You can play, uh, let's just say you have uh, somewhat of, of, of like they have the, uh, the the Dorchester Showdown. You know, Berkeley County has their showdown. Mm-hmm. Maybe they play, play their games there, some of them on Friday, some of them on Saturday. But it gives an opportunity to get the community together. And if you look at Wren, South Carolina, the thing I think that makes Wren work, even though it's a 4A school, it's probably very different than a lot of 4A schools. It's still – Big in size, but small in character. Right. When you get large in character and large in size, you forget to where you come from a little bit. And when you get too big too fast, you get lost in translation. Well, I'll tell you about Wren High School, or, or not so much about Wren High School, but just the, the town that it's in, Piedmont, South Carolina. And then we're, we're going to uh, pass on this um, soon as uh, soon as 830 rolls around. Um, but, you know, Piedmont, they're, in, they're right in between Anderson and Greenville uh, counties. And... Right. Uh, right, like right at the southern, uh, right at the southern part of of Greenville County, and you know, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of towns that are, are a lot of different little communities that are in and around 
um, Piedmont. And, uh, you know, I, I, like, I've been up there, I've traveled through it, and it's, it's no different than, than Saluda. And Saluda's 2A, but, they, like, it's all one town there, and then it's nothing but, um, but just countryside the rest of the way, no right. matter which direction that you drive. And with, with Piedmont, you know, uh, like five miles up the road, there's going to be another, another crossroads or another intersection um, with, with a gas station on one corner, a grocery store on another, a con- like another convenience store, um, and then a drugstore or, or however you look at it. Like it, it's about every it's being it's very consistent. And, you know, around that area, you know, there, there's Piedmont, there's there's Fountain Inn. Um, there's a few others that I could name off the top of my head, but um, but they escape me at the moment. But nonetheless, you know, um, th- like it, they're all supportive. And, you know, Ren being a, being a 4A school, um, it, it's about the same as like Dillon, uh, South Carolina, Dillon being a 3A school, because um, when we were at Williams Bryce this past Saturday, I talked to an Abbeville coach who, um, if you don't know Abbeville, um, Abbeville Panthers, they've won uh, four of the last five uh, state championships. Um, they were, I think they were going to go for their fifth consecutive before um, Saluda knocked them off in the upper state uh, championships. But nonetheless, he, he opened up to me about this uh, story about how Dylan used to be a two A school and they were winning all these state championships. And so then the high school league then, um, and, and I guess it just happened to be stroke of luck that um, based off of the population of the school, they bumped them up to three A and now they're competing in, in three A state championships and they played against uh, Chapman and, uh, and then they ended up getting blown out by Chapman. But, um, but that, that's just a, a testament to, you know, the population density and in that area, you know, Saluda is, you know, relatively small and, it, and it's kept small that way. There's not really much growth that's going to um, that's going to benefit um, the town other than just the, the lifeblood of, of who of who lives there right now, who lives there at the moment and who's going to stay with uh, with Dylan. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of out there near near Darlington and um, and over there near Florence and I-95 and then uh, with Wren because it's in Piedmont and that's near Greenville. Greenville is Greenville is exploding in, oh, in yeah. just popularity and, and growth and all well, those BMW's things. up that way now. BM, uh, right. BMW, you've got Michelin up there. You um there there's a Top Golf that uh, that just got built uh, not too long ago and that that's a very popular uh, destination if you look for something to do on a on a Friday or Saturday night or even just throughout the week, but um and, and just just a bunch of uh, growth in in the metropolitan area so much that they had to and I think that they're still doing this having to um, redo the intersections at uh, I I eighty five and uh, twenty six or uh, just just in just in that general area all the off ramps and everything because of the density of the traffic they've had to um, reconstruct the the exits and the and the highways right I mean and now that's the thing keeping up with the, all the growth. On the roads is just as big as anything. We're in Charleston, man. I'm going to tell you something. For the most part, they've done a pretty good job here because we have Boeing. Uh, we've got Bosch. We, we've got, of course, uh, uh, Volvo. We, we've got a lot of industries that are coming through, coming in at Charleston. We've got the ports that are here. We've got the military that's here. There's a lot of love being brought into our area that, you know, we're bringing the outsiders in, and they have to learn the process. Again, you know, the one thing I am going to say this, if you move into an area, don't try to change it. Embrace it. Because it's something special about that spot. That's why you came there. Now, you probably came there for the, for the job. I get that. But like Somerville, people come to Somerville all the time and want to change a lot about Somerville. Look, don't change Somerville. It'll change on its own. It'll change as the time changes, and they understand that. But the one thing that makes Small Town USA the great thing that it is is that the charm that it brings with it. So for me, 
I remember Somerville, and I've only been around here since about 2002 now. You know, 2000, well, let's go 2003 maybe. But with that being said, um, it's grown a lot just in, since 2003. We've got an ice skating rink. They've redone the park there, the, the, center, uh, the center of town there. Uh, they've added a few new pretty stoplights that have come through. Uh, they've upgraded. We've gone through a handful of mayors, this, that, and the other. I mean, there's been a lot of growth, but it still has that small-town charm when you go through Gurns Pharmacy, when you go to uh, get your hair cut over there at uh, Simmons Barbershop, or you go to Matt's Burgers, or you go to some of these other local hotspots that have been out for a long, long time. Those are the things that make Small Town USA Friday Night Lights great. And, and again, one thing I'm going to introduce or say to you that I'm going to try to continue to do in the towns that I'm able to get to is to try to get those towns to get back involved. Mm-hmm. In Berkeley, uh, the Stags over there in Monk's Corner, they do a good job. The town still loves on those kids. It's still got that Texas feeling on a Friday night up there yeah. in Monk's Corner. The town shuts down. They all head over there. They all do what they need to do. Somerville still does that to some degree. But it is a it's a fast moving. We get a lot of people coming in here from Washington because of Boeing. We get some people moving in from around all over because of all those here. And, and, and the thing is, again, uh, you know that jelly green and gold that that's a that's a special color that means a lot. You know, again, I, I love the aspect of uh, everything that they do. And you think tradition. I'm going to end it with this. We'll head to a break. Hopefully, come back with uh, you know maybe even I'm not sure Bryce Coon's going to check in today because of uh, not able to check because of the call there. He does have good reception, but. Ben Moore may get in here about 8.30 from Atlanta. But uh, that being said, you know, the one thing that I love about the traditional stuff is, is that it's the nostalgia part of, of football. For Somerville, let me tell you a little bit about Somerville. I know just a little bit, but every game they go to is a road game to some degree. Even their home game, they have to get on the bus. They travel about 10 minutes down the street. They make that right-hand turn, that left-hand turn, back to the left back to the right, and then they pull into uh, a parking lot, which is an elementary school, and then they walk between an old uh, performing arts school and the elementary school into their stadium. There's no track there. Everything's on top. I mean, basically, the stands, it's an old stands there. They have the cement stands, and I love that aspect. Now, they've upgraded the box. The press box is, by the way, the best press box, uh, you know, because it does have food, and it does have the bathroom. And it's a double-deck press box and there. And a double-deck press box. Now, Wando has a really nice one as well. They have yeah, an they elevator do. as well. Yeah. And, uh, man, that thing is really nice. But uh, it just has that, that, that feeling. And when you think of small-town football, Friday Night Lights, shutting down the town, bringing it up the lights, it's huge. And there's something special that I'm working on with the town as well as with the, uh, the Somerville to do something a little different to kind of bring back some of that nostalgia, some of that on a Friday night when they're at home, something that hopefully we'll be able to do. But we're also trying to work out something, and, and I've got in the works because here at Southern Sports Central, I have a lot of say-so, all the say-so, a lot of what's happening here. And I'm partnering up with about every coach in this area to do something very special this time next year. And, uh, of course, that announcement will come out here maybe in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, we're really proud of the, uh, the, the progress we've had, the connections we've made, and, and really the forecast that it looks like it's going to be a really big deal, and it's going to make a lot of kids happy. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We'll talk some more. We'd love to hear from you. What's on your mind? Do you want to talk college football? We can get into some of these big bowl games that are coming up. Uh, you want to talk high school football? You're a high school football player, coach. You've played the game. you coach the game. Whatever it is, come on in, hang out, and let's do it. Moms, dads, wherever you're at, holler at us, 323-784-9681. Again, the number is 323-784-9681. This is Southern Sports Central Live right here on Block Talk Radio. Come back. Love you. 
probably ever. He's a junior, so when they won it last, he was in, in the eighth grade. So I'm not even sure he was a part of that deal, but uh, he was a part of that conversation that he'd been down and had with the Myrtle Beach player. Uh, I actually met the Myrtle Beach player after that. Didn't realize that, that that conversation had happened with him and his folks, actually, and I talked a little bit. Again, me being from Myrtle Beach, you know, my heart went out to those guys a little bit. I grew up with a lot of their parents that were out there, and uh, to see them in pain and see their parents in pain, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it's a battle between the lines, but it's real reality outside of that. So with that being said, uh, Hunter Fontaine is our 2019 Character Award winner over there at uh, Wren High School after they beat Myrtle Beach and head in to uh, a conversation now that they'll always be able to talk about state championships. So 13-2, and 4-1 and one was their record there. They won 35-23 last Saturday. And then it was Coach Ism who joined us, the defensive coordinator from that same high school over there at Wren, uh, joined us, and we, of course, got to know him a little bit more. He's going to join us as well as a lot of coaches during the offseason. We'll talk about drills and things that they need to be doing if your kid's at home. He doesn't need to be in front of a video game. He doesn't need to be sitting in front of the lunchbox. He needs to be sitting out there getting better. If reality is he wants to be better, he's got to go work at it to get better. So we'll have a lot of coaches in during the offseason. We're going to bring in a lot of uh, here to Charleston. And I can bring it to your area, too. If you just tell me you would like to see some of our trainers come to you, we can make that happen as well. Uh, Coach Robinson is going to be coming down here from uh, the Greenville area, work out some of our kids down here in Charleston. We're going to send them up to Myrtle Beach. We'll travel with them up there on the Grand Strand as well. Uh, but, again, reach out to us over there on our Twitter page, at SO Sports Central Inboxes. Follow us, and uh, we'll get you all the needs that you need to know when it comes to getting these guys around your program. So uh, we do appreciate all the love, support, also on Facebook at Southern Sports Central as well. Uh, as we continue to look at football, uh, Will, you and I talked a little bit during the break there. Uh, fired coaches quickly surfaces as assistants in the SEC. That was a, uh, a headliner on someone's post on Facebook that I saw uh, yesterday. Now, of course, uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is, and I'm not going to say anything about it because I don't want to call anybody out, of course. But uh, it, it's kind of a jab, if you will, to the SEC. Yeah. And here it is. Arkansas, Chad Morris, new OC at Auburn. Ole Miss, Matt Luke, new offensive line coach at Georgia. Or, yeah. And then you got Colorado State's Mike Bobo, new OC at South Carolina. You know, here's the deal. And I'm going to put it in perspective real quick. Not all great players make great coaches. Not all great coaches make great players. Not all offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators make great head, head coaches. coaches. Yeah. So before you want to throw a rock at somebody because they land back in the position that got them to where they were at, just because they're in a conference that you have this, 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 you have this bitterness, salty feeling towards because they have dominated, set a standard in college football, that's ridiculous. And I kind of usually I don't go into these things, Will, but I really live into these people because it's just it's just sad to hear a certain fan base always seems like they're becoming the Eeyores of college football. Yeah, and I mean it it is what it is uh, with the with these coaching hires or this coaching carousel, if you will. I, I think that the the conversation surrounding Mike Bobo and the offensive coordinator position there at South Carolina, I mean that that conversation started well whenever um, whenever uh, Ralph McClendon. Um, was demoted, and then they fired, they fired two assistants there, and like, and that that was the continuing conversation that was that was always uh, surrounding like who whose uh, name is in the hat or whose name is in the running for the offensive coordinator, and it's always it's always been mentioned Bobo because um, you know Bobo much champ go go back to the old Georgia days, um, you know the the Lane Kiffin hire, you know at Ole Miss, and the, you know that that's that's an Ole Miss team. 
um, let's see, who was Appalachian State's um, head coach, I think. He, he went over now to Missouri. He went over to Missouri. One and done, though. He only was a coach at, at App State. Yeah, and, that, and that's the craziest thing about it is that I I, I don't Just know. Don't the, break him. Yeah, I, like I don't know the I don't know the structure of his contract and right. what he had at App State, but uh, you know for for you only to be a one loss team and you're bowl eligible and you and you're going you're going to a bowl game this uh, this January or or later on this off this postseason. Right. Like that's incredible to me. But it's one time. But it's only one. It's one and time. It's and not so, really but, your players. Yeah, right. And so, really, that's a testament to the coaches that were there before you, right? And not to mention the players that were already there that they're already battle tested and battle proven. Sure. Which you know, and you know, prove that uh, prove that to uh, that coach's record. I forget his name um, you know, for the life of me. But um, and then uh, Willie Taggart, he he gets put on as uh, he gets put on as a coordinator for for Auburn, I think, right? And Willie Taggart or, went to FIU. He went to FIU. He's the head right, coach. That's, that's right, 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 right. Lane Kiffin got the job. He's, from, he's leaving from FIU to go to Ole Miss. Willie Taggart got his. Willie Taggart got his job. Right, 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 right. So yeah, that's that's correct. I'm sorry. And coach Scott, where is he at now? He's South at Florida. Florida. South Florida. There you yep. go. And again, uh, you know, we'll wait and see. Here, here's a number for Gamecock fans. South Carolina was uh, ranked 43rd in the total offense this year. Imagine, uh, you know, how that looks now, averaging 426 yards per game now. And Mike Bobo's, and again, this stat is not confirmed, but this is something that I did see came across uh, the social media world. In Bobo's eight years at Georgia, his offense had an average of total of ranking at 42nd, 420 yards per game used uh, in uh, – you, you start to wonder what that means. And, again, I, I found this, uh, and uh, Mark Ryan is the gentleman who uh, kind of put this out there on social media, so I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I'm not going to sit here and – take credit for somebody else's work by no means, but I am going to tell you this. You know, the difference between Mike Bobo at South Carolina and Mike Bobo at Georgia's quarterback play is huge. It starts with the quarterback. You can have a lot of great things. I say that, but then as I'm in the middle of saying that, I'm thinking, well, man, shoot, Alabama's going to fraternity houses and won national championships with guys that are just able to get the guy in stride. You know, just think about it. I mean, until they had realistically, and again, I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's great, but, you know, Oatua, he probably is uh, of recent the, the best quarterback that they've had in a long, long time. And they've had some good quarterbacks over there in Alabama. Oh, yeah. But they oh, went yeah. through that trend where not only did they have a few coaches that would make you want to slap your head against the wall, they also had some quarterbacks that were just good enough to get the job done. McElroy, by the way, not a bad quarterback. He probably kind of started that trend of them getting better quarterbacks because he didn't lose his first game until South Carolina. That year, two thousand right. Yeah, I remember. Until that. then, it was eighth grade. Yeah, he like he was undefeated his entire football career. That goes back to the eighth grade and JV and um, all the B teams, and then uh, to to come. I think he came to Williams Bryce. Yeah, it was at Williams Bryce Stadium. It was at Williams Bryce, and that loss. And I, I remember, um, I remember the T-shirts that were made. Uh, um, and you know, and then uh, the successors after that. I remember AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron was always a great. Um, he was a great quarterback there at Alabama for for a long time, and. Um, I, I don't. I really don't know what he's up to now, but you know, nonetheless, the the quarterbacks that that come out of that come out of Alabama are, you know, they're they're mildly successful, I guess. You you throw into the mix, um, you throw into the mix Jalen Hurts. You know, of course, he's gone to Oklahoma and he's uh, he's doing bigger and better things over there. But then you got you got Tua Tagovailoa, who's a talent that we've never even seen before, and his little brother, right and, his, and his little brother that's right behind him, right. And, and you look at it and. I really like Jalen. I'm going to tell you, I like Jalen as a person as much, if not more, than I like him as a football player. And I think that's the character. I know when times that I've gone through 
uh, Tuscaloosa, and I spent a lot of time there in, in a couple of years going to the different spots and, and knowing that he would just go in the barbershop like nobody. He didn't care. He was a very humble guy. He was in church every Sunday. He was just a good kid. He came from a great family, it looked like. Everything worked out great, and that to me is – I'll put a lot of energy into a kid like that. Like the coach said in the, the last hour, Coach Ism said, show me 10% and I'll get you the other 90%. Jalen did that. He just wasn't a good throwing quarterback. He was a great running quarterback. Again, had he had the arm now, and he had it back then against uh, the Tigers in Tampa, might have been a different deal. Remember, uh, Alabama lost their starting running back in that game, and that changed a lot of things that were going on there at, at Alabama. So um, when we kind of put things in perspective, you know, again, Alabama is Alabama. They're going to continue to do – they're going to continue to uh, – the guys, the coaching tree there is going to leave. Nick Saban and take a chance to go coach somewhere else. I don't, I don't blame him. You know, you get a chance, you take it. Because here's the thing. If you wait too long, you miss your window. And, and I think that's what happened at Bud Foster's world. You know, he, he saw the writing on the wall. He was waiting forever to take over the Virginia Tech job and then realized later on in life, hey, guess what? It, it just became a factor that to me that, that he just realized, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here. I'm going to retire here. I'm just going to be a, uh, a coordinator. Now, Will Muschamp, remember, he was a coach in waiting at Texas. Many, many, many years waiting oh, yeah. on uh, Mac Brown to retire. And Mac yeah. was like, dude, I, I'm not going nowhere. But when I do go, oh, you got this. I do want to head over now to the Matt's Burgers Hotlines. I believe uh, we're going to check in here with Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports. Uh, ben, top of the morning to you, man. You've been busy, bro. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, appreciate you having me. And, uh, yeah, always good to catch up. So we had a, uh, we had a quarterback in here uh, a couple of days ago. All the way, uh, and I'm going to let you introduce the town because uh, Chapman is the name, correct? Chapman. Chapman, yep. yes. Always, it's one of those weird names. We've got a Chapin and we got a Chapman in South Carolina, so it's kind of a tongue twister for me. But uh, we had their quarterback come in here, man. And I'm going to tell you something. You guys at Georgia State are getting a kid that's really, really good. I was really impressed with the way that he handled himself, uh, not only here on the show, but just everything about the guy was uh, really, really good. I thought he did a great job. And, uh, he is committed, ready to rock and roll, and is going to be heading, I believe, over there to Georgia State here uh, in the next few weeks, if not by the end of the uh, end of the year. Yeah, he is, and uh, great kid. Definitely had a chance to uh, spend a lot of time with him and his family, uh, talking to them in, in the recruiting process. He, I believe, only missed uh, one Georgia State home game. He had uh, come a ton, and, and he's the only quarterback committed in the 2020 class uh, for the Panthers, uh, 24-7 composite three-star uh, rating and, and just one Gatorade player of the year in South Carolina, a really, really big deal. Uh, tried to explain that to folks here locally in Georgia. We know certainly Georgia is a, a talent rich state. Uh, we've talked about it before the, the staff connections at Georgia state to uh, South Carolina, of course, but Columbia uh, took uh, Josh Smith, uh, who is, uh, uh, Michael's, um, uh, primary recruiter there, uh, to be a very, very good coach at Lexington High School there in South Carolina as well. So uh, rich, rich history there. And, uh, you know, it was, he was a guy that the staff looked at very early, uh, wanted to uh, kind of jump at. And they, uh, as you mentioned, he is an early enrollee. And we've seen that all over uh, the Power 5 and G5 level. He's enrolling early and uh, competing. And that's, that's the biggest opportunity. Um, as I tell people, they've been recruiting for over 15 years. They want to get know when they're going to play and uh, when they're going to see the field. And uh, it's going to be a wide open competition with uh, George State's uh, starter right now, Dan Ellington, set to play his final game there in the uh, Nova Loans Arizona Bowl uh, here in a couple of weeks. So it's a, it's a, going to be a wide open race, and I would count out the uh, the young man from from Inman, South Carolina. 
No doubt about it. We're talking about McKaylee Calisario, who is the uh, quarterback and ready to roll come January. Your eyes are also getting another kid out of Burns High School, Chris Bird, who uh, is a beast. I mean, uh, it helps when you got Coach Elliott, who's from Camden, South Carolina, coached at South Carolina, coached at App State, knows the geographics of what, uh, where you got to go to get what you got to get, and he's doing it in fashion there. Of course, uh, Coach Step, uh, you know, he and both Coach Elliott and a few other your coaches there on the sidelines, and it was so cool. You know, the one thing I love about the coaching staff over there, they're very personable. They don't forget a face. Uh, I've had a chance to get to know Coach Step on a regular basis. We we communicate through social media. I know your running back coach that used to be over there at Cedar Grove really well. He's another South Carolina guy that I played against in high school, actually. But, uh, you know, uh, Coach Elliott and I have had so many conversations when he was in South Carolina. He's come on the show in, in different uniforms, so to say, as a coach. But uh, he looked right at me, knew, remembered me, man, walked up, gave me a big hug. We had a quick conversation. He's like, man, what's going on in Charleston, man? Everything good in Somerville? And uh, I can't wait to get back there as soon as we get some time off, man. That's the first spot my wife and I love to go. But uh, you, you have to love the, the atmosphere, the culture that he is building within the city that's so massive in Atlanta and the heart, man, he's, he understands it, man. It begins and it starts at home. There's no question. And I think that the biggest thing with him, uh, you know, he took over uh, a program that was, you know, that, that, that was coming off a bowl game and, and coming off the third, uh, you know, third head coach, basically following Bill Curry, following Trent Miles, uh, things, you know, just injuries and the transition to FBS is so difficult for a program that just was not ready. Uh, you know, he really got the opportunity uh, when George State was moving moving into the former Turner Field, taking it over, uh, pouring a ton of money into football facilities and infrastructure, and giving him, uh, you know, a lot of advantages that, quite candidly, his uh, the coaches prior to him just didn't have. I mean, Bill Curry has talked about that quite a bit, and uh, I think he has the personality too. The players absolutely love him. I'll fight for him. I've talked to former players. I've talked to um, you know, current players, certainly. And then, you know, as you mentioned, some players coming in there. Um, you know, he's he he really doesn't you know sugarcoat things. He he basically shoots it as it is, and has said for uh, many cycles now. You know, he he's going to not really sell kids on Georgia State. He's going to talk about what they uh, what, you know what can they can accomplish. Certainly, uh, get a, get a great degree. Uh, have an opportunity to play in the city of Atlanta, uh, where there's a tremendous amount of things to do and see, and, and job opportunities, obviously, uh, post-football career and, and different things like that. And uh, as you mentioned, he's put together a really strong staff. Um, and, you know, you, you, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, several of the guys uh, offensively. Um, you know, it's it's a fun offense to play in under, under Brad Glenn. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I believe uh, top 30 in the country, top 10 in, in the nation for for vast majority of the season in rushing offense, but does uh, spray it out a lot. I believe uh, 11 total uh, individuals touch the ball uh, with a catch this season as well. As you mentioned, Chris Bird and tight end. Uh, they have another another tight end prospect, Amon Green, I believe he's playing in the north-south game there uh, in, uh, in, in the Carolinas this weekend as well. I've seen some practice photos from him as well. So um, they have recruited the state of South Carolina very, very well. Um, again, as they, you know, and, and I think personally it's, it's an under-recruited uh, state overall. I think there's a, a lot of opportunities for these G5 and even FCS, former 1AA schools, go in there and get some high-quality kids out of the state of South Carolina that uh, quite candidly you didn't have, you know, South Carolina or, or Clemson on. And, uh, that, and that's – um, you, know, you can only take so many, and that's that's the biggest advantage. And Clemson being a national brand, South Carolina certainly, um, you know, a regional brand, and, and recruiting all over the place. Um, there's a lot of kids that go 
go missing, if you will. You and I have talked about that quite a bit. Um, kids that uh, that may be a little bit shorter, a little bit more slight in the high school days, and they uh, they continue to, to uh, have opportunities to play at the next level. Live right now with Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports over there in the good state of Georgia. Um, ben, real quick with you, uh, the, the coaching carousel has uh, kind of kind of stopped and gone at some point the past two days. The um, big news, um, Auburn will hire the ex-Arkansas head coach, uh, Chad Morris. He's going to be the new offensive coordinator and uh, quarterbacks coach. And then um, as of yesterday afternoon, Lane Kiffin, he had an exclusive interview with The Athletic, and he is um, trying to poach as many Alabama coaches for his staff as revenge for his uh, 26th dismissal from Alabama um, against Saban. And then, of course, um, his – his successor there at uh, FAU is going to be Willie Taggart, who got fired from uh, Florida State a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's going to be replacing Lane Kiffin. I just want real quick uh, your grades of of these hires and uh, what you think about them. Yeah, I think uh, you know it was a matter of time when with Lane Kiffin. You knew he was gonna he wasn't gonna sit down in FAU, uh, you know, forever. And and I did think he was looking for the right opportunity. Uh, it is interesting to see him back in the SEC. Um, and uh, just, you know, have caught pieces of his press conference and read a lot, uh, including that athletic piece. Um, I don't know if it's so much revenge. I think it's just smart on his, his part to try to take away, not only try to find quality coaches, uh, but really try to harm someone uh, who you're going to face, uh, you, know, you know, every single year there in the SEC West. Um, I think it's a smart move on his part. It really just comes down to oldness and, and wanting to put up the amount of money uh, to, to grab some of these coaches and as we've seen there's been many 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 coaches um you know who've been pushed off the Nick Saban staff and, and you guys are talking about it as I was uh, hanging out there on hold it's just kind of a nature of the beast when you have wild success like Nick Saban and Alabama have to lose some of those assistants but um mentioned Willie Taggart going to FAU I think that's a ready-made situation for him certainly an opportunity for him to rehab his image and rehab um you know, his opportunity it just did not work in Florida at Florida State it was not the right fit uh, you know, for a, a variety of different reasons that a lot of folks uh, down there in Tallahassee have said, uh, both on and off the record. Uh, but um, I think, he, you know, he, he may be one of those guys, too, that may be a better fit in the G5 ranks. You know, Power 5 football, uh, especially at, at a brand-name university like Florida State, um, you know, it comes with a tremendous amount of pressure. And uh, certainly following Jimbo Fisher, it did not make sense for him. But, you know, they're going to win uh, down there. I'm, I'm pretty confident that they have, uh, you know, from, from looking at the roster and what they've got returning from a depth chart situation, uh, FAU and their, their offensively should be very, very good. He's got pieces in place and uh, and skilled guys. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, you know, Chad Morris, you, you mentioned just lastly, it, it was – I think it's a good fit for him as well. Another rehab situation. Um, you know, he, he comes, he and the Gus Malzahn, uh, you know, are very symbiotic in their offensive scheme. And that's uh, certainly been a conversation over the last few years. Uh, you know, with Gus being in charge of the offense, Gus not being in charge of the offense, um, you know, having uh, someone who basically is the originator there. And, and, and quite honestly, a very, very good recruiter. I, I think as a head coach, it's a little tougher, tougher to go out. You can't spend so much time recruiting. Uh, you know, one side of the ball versus the other. You really have to kind of go out there and be the closer. Uh, but I think uh, Chad Morris is going to do a great job at Auburn, and uh, you're going to see their offense uh, humming you know, quite, quite, a, you know, quite a bit, again, with Bo Nix going into his sophomore season. Live right now with Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports. Checks in with us. Of course, we cover the Georgia State guys over there, the Panthers, as uh, they are having a, a year to remember, and they are going to build on this success. Also, the doors that they are opening for some of the smaller schools to show that if you get in now, you can play now, and you can do big things. Ben, as I, 
you covered just not only the Georgia State guys, but we were able to talk to you quickly about some of the other things, man. Uh, hopefully, we'll catch up with you next week early and get in because we got a lot of questions and get a lot of answers. And uh, we always appreciate your time. And how the small world it is, Mike Bobo is heading over to uh, to South Carolina. We'll talk about that next time we get you in here. Maybe tomorrow morning, if you got some time, we get you back in here. We can finish that up as well. Yeah, sounds good to me, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Moore, 24-7 Sports. That getting any better than that guy. He has been a huge contributor to Southern Sports Central since day, uh, I would say, year four, I think is when he came in. So he's been with me now for about three years, somewhere like that. But he's always willing and able. And given the opportunity, he takes advantage of it, gets in here, and he talks about what he loves the most, and that is uh, sports, man. Why not jump in here? I do want to thank uh, some guests before we get to the top of the hour, end of the show here. Uh, we headed to Wren High School over there in Wren, South Carolina. The only thing in Wren is the high school, and that's awesome because they win state championships, and they won the first one this past year. Over 60 years it took them to get it, but it was well-earned and deserved. Mama Tate gave us a hug. She gave us an interview Saturday night. We got a chance to talk to her husband, Coach Tate, and we talked to, of course, a couple of other coaches along the way. Got a chance now to build a relationship with Coach Abrams, who was the defensive line coach. We talked to uh, Coach uh, Quentin Ism, who is the defensive coordinator, linebacker coach, and then of course, uh, uh, Owens, who is their starting quarterback, holds a state record and a state championship ring, and his offensive lineman, Hunter Fontaine, who was just given out the Southern Sports Central Sportsmanship Award by giving uh, a conversation to a guy that he just beat in battle out of Myrtle Beach on one knee. So, uh, Will, great show, as always. You and I do it again tomorrow morning. Uh, and I keep thinking that maybe we head into town tomorrow with them filming this Budweiser commercial, but... You know, you and I will talk about that off the air. We'll kind of figure out if we're going to go back to the heart of Somerville and uh, do a little live action. I enjoy being out of the studios for a while. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's great, uh, the outreach that we have out there. And the, um, I think that the, the, the town was really uh, receptive, and we, like, we, we weren't really, like, you know, bothering anybody. But, you know, we were, we were there, and people, that were, they were able to listen to the show and be able to just, uh, you know, sit around and, uh, you know, have a, have a cup of coffee. Uh, thanks to uh, Cup of Mana, by the way, yeah. who um, we, we were able to borrow a, a table and two chairs to be able to uh, sit there at Hutchinson, uh, Hutchinson Square right there on the patio, um, on, the, on the covered patio. But real quick, if you have not seen that uh, Hunter Fontaine uh, sportsmanship video, I highly encourage you. To go and listen, uh, to go and watch it. It's only maybe 20 seconds long, and um, we retweeted it um, on our on our Twitter at So Sports Central. Uh, be sure to go check that out. And um, yeah, we're reaching the end of the show. There you go. So what I need you to do is follow us on Twitter at So Sports Central on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. I want to thank our sponsors, of course, Simmons Barbershop, Yearns Pharmacy, the Tent Farm, and Matt's Burgers. All these guys do what they do so that we can do what we do to make this possible. Thanks for all those that listened in. We'll be back live tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp, and we'll see you then, guys. Take care. God bless. Until then, have a great day.